Good morning, church. This morning, I'm going to talk to us about, are you good enough to go to heaven? And I'm first going to read for us from Mark 10. And I'm starting at verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful. He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. That's a great story because Jesus finished his time in the area. He was in Judea and he was leaving and he was he's on his way out. He's setting out on his journey. He's finished teaching. And this man runs out, kneels before him and says, Okay, now give me eternal life. This man would fit in very well in our modern culture. Because he wants a quick fix. Just, just give it to me quick. What must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus first answers with the questions like, Why do you call me good? Only God is good. And I've heard people say that this is Jesus denying his divinity. But this is Jesus just making him think for a moment. Instead of trying to flatter him, realize that if Jesus is actually good, he is God. But Jesus then quotes uh, some of the five rules, uh, some of the commandments, but he only uses five. And he doesn't include the do not covet your neighbor's uh, belongings because you can't see that one. So he uses all the ones that are easy for people to see. The honor your father and your mother and do not commit adultery. So these are easy for people to spot that you're actually following them. And the man response like yes i have kept all of these from my youth and okay so there's a lot to unpack first of all he doesn't know that jesus has already reinterpreted the law he says if you've called someone an idiot you've already committed murder in your heart now so jesus disregards all of that and doesn't say okay do you really understand the law? No, just ask him. And the man responds sincerely. 
And the other thing is that he actually thinks he's kept just these five commandments, not even the 613 laws that the Jews had, just these five. He thinks he's kept them. I want to see who in our church has honored their father and mother from their youth all the time. <laughs> and we read in James, if you've broken one law, you've broken the whole of the law. So, yeah, I don't know who is able to say that they've never uh, dishonored their parents. But he seems sincere. And Jesus treats him as though he is sincere. And Jesus, and the text says, Jesus looks at him. So Jesus, this word looks is the same word that the maid is used when the maid sees Peter around the fire at Jesus' trial. She looks at him intently. Jesus looks at this rich man intently and he loves him. Jesus loves him and then he says, you, have, you lack one thing. Go sell all your things and follow me. And Jesus wants him on board. Jesus says, come do this thing and then come follow me. But Jesus wasn't only asking him to sell all his stuff. Jesus tells him to take a lower position in the social hierarchy. He's saying, you can be poor with us. You can be the lowest in the community with us. So it's not just that comfort. It's also a lower social class. And he tells him to go from a ruler to a servant. And this man goes away disheartened. He's sorrowful. And he, have, he has these great possessions. But he refuses to let go of it. So Jesus' disciples must have been wondering, why did Jesus turn him away? Because immediately Jesus turns around and he teaches his disciples. And he teaches them that these possessions, can, rather than an advantage, becomes a stumbling block. Because in Jewish tradition, if you are rich, that is because God blessed you. And the rich people would more often thank God because of that blessing. But when the possessions becomes your security, that is not an advantage anymore. You start to rely on your possessions rather than on God. And Jesus uses the word the eye of the needle. And we've, I've heard people say that this was a small gate that if you un unloaded the ca camel, it could crawl through. And that makes for a beautiful sermon because it has this image of you laying down all, all and coming to Christ. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not talking about something that is difficult. He moves from difficult in verse 23 to the impossible in verse 27. So this escalates it and this idea must have struck the disciples hard. Enter Peter. Peter is amazing because he does exactly what I think I would have done. Peter says, Jesus, what about us? We left everything and followed you. He must have felt so good about himself at that moment. And Jesus says, yes, you'll have blessings, but you'll have persecutions as well. 
and your promise is not coming in this life, it's coming in the one to come. So, I love that Peter is always saying the things I think, because it is not the fact that he would have sold all of his possessions that, is, that would have saved him. The idea that the laying down the possessions is the thing that would have saved him is misses the point. It's this idea of where your reliance is. Where do you put your trust? And this story comes right after the story with the disciples keeping the children away from Jesus. And Jesus says, come, bring the children to me. Whoever has faith like these will inherit the kingdom of God. And the, these two are in stark contrast. We're told to have faith like children. And then this man doesn't have faith that he will be blessed or even taken care of if he's with Jesus. So it's not the absence of money that would have saved the man, but the reliance on God. Now, would this young man have been perfect if he sold everything and followed Jesus? No, <laughs> definitely not. It would have been only the first step. It would have only been that first step into God's discipleship group. And Jesus would have told him how he has expounded the law, how he has taken the law to the next logical step. And he would have realized how far he still needs to go in order to be perfect. But that wouldn't have mattered because he would have been with Jesus. He would have been in communion, in relationship with Jesus. There's a lot that Jesus could have said about the law that this man didn't follow, but instead he focused on the one thing he knew would have been the hardest thing for this young man to do. And that one thing is different for every single one of us. Jesus wanted this man to be his disciple, and discipleship is not a quick thing. Jesus calls us into communion with him. Every time that Jesus met someone that was sick or suffering, he healed them immediately and completely. But not once did Jesus take away a bad habit or a faulty thinking. Instead, he just corrected and taught. He just kept on walking with them. And this inner change happens over time. And we can only become like Christ through this intimacy with him. Only through being with Jesus, following him, can we become more like him. Now, we want a list of do's and don'ts. Lists are a lot easier to follow than just be good. We read in the Bible, be holy because God is holy. Jesus wants a relationship. He doesn't want us to follow a list of rules. 
Now imagine for a second, if before my wife and I married or even started dating, I go to a brother and I bribe him. It would have to be a lot, but I bribe him to tell him, to tell me uh, what to look out for. And he says, okay, no fast food, uh, no skinny jeans, uh, make sure your hair is not long. And uh, yeah, he tells me all these, don't, don't do this, don't do that. And it's this long list of things that I then start to focus on. And we go on our first date and I am conscious of every single thing I'm not supposed to do. And by the end of the night, I didn't do a single thing wrong. I didn't do a thing on her list that she wouldn't want. Would there be a spark? No. Because relationships aren't built on following rules and laws. Relationships grow from intimacy, being honest. And Jesus calls us into this relationship with God. This deep understanding of what fellowship with Jesus looks like isn't about a list of rules you're supposed to follow. Jesus came and he made the law so much harder so that you can realize you cannot follow the law. If you're trying to win God's grace through following the law, missing the point, you're not in a relationship with Jesus, with God. And he calls us into this deep, loving relationship. Now, my wife and I are married. And if I want to treat her, I take her to a nice restaurant. And I wear the clothes I know she likes. And I wear my hair the way I know she likes. Not because I'm trying to follow any rules that I want to still make sure that she doesn't leave me. I do it because of the friendship that has built. I do it because I love seeing her smile. And when we're in relationship with God, it just flows out naturally. We read in Ephesians, Peter, uh, Paul writes that we aren't saved by works, but we are saved for works. When you're saved, when you're in relationship with Jesus, all of these other things will come naturally because you will walk with Jesus and your spirit will be conformed to his and you will become more similar. And when you start to act more like Jesus, you will shine his light even more into the world. This idea of focusing on the minimums is exactly what the law was. The rabbis would make a law if you had to fast for a day they would make it that you fast for 25 hours just so no one breaks the law they would 
create this wall around people to make sure that they don't even go close to breaking the law. Because they were so committed to following God's heart and following these rules, not following, following God's heart and following a relationship with him that they didn't want people to step out of the bound. But Jesus always goes beyond the minimums. He says, it doesn't say, don't cheat on your wife, don't commit adultery. He says, don't even look at another woman with lust. Because he knows where that leads. And often we try to see how close can we go to breaking the law before we get in trouble. The law wasn't supposed to do that. The law determines the least amount of good the Jews could have done and st stay within its bounds. We're not called to do the least. We're called to be better. Instead of trying to see how little we can do, ask yourself, how much can I do? If you're poor, don't, the law would say, don't steal. Jesus says, look for who's in a worse shape than you are and help them. Christianity has always been about being better than just the bare minimum, trying to earn just enough grace to earn your salvation. That's not how this works. Jesus says, with man it is impossible, but not for God. Because for God, there, with God there's grace. And we're called into this relationship with Jesus. And when you're in a relationship with someone, you spend time with them. You get to know them better. And as you get to know them better, you walk with them. When we spend time in the Word, we're reading the words of God. And especially when we read about Jesus and we read His actual words. It's like we're sitting around a table and Jesus is telling us these things. And He tells us to come to Him. He tells us to follow Him. He says, lay down everything else and follow me. I pray that today you ask yourself, what is that thing that I don't want to lay down? That thing that is the hardest thing for me to lay down, what is that thing? And lay it down at the feet of Jesus and follow him. Today when we do communion, I want you to do it in your family. If you're on your own, take the emblems and celebrate the communion as a feast. Because Jesus wants to come in and feast with us. Imagine him sitting at your table and teaching you 
just talking, just talking like friends, because the Bible says we can be Jesus's friend. Share communion with a friend that looks at you and loves you. I'm going to pray now and I hope everyone has an amazing week and if you need counseling please contact us if you need to talk to someone contact us and we'll help you to the best of our abilities Jesus thank you for loving us Thank you for giving us mercy and thank you for knowing us deeply. God, I pray that you will be with us in everything that we do this week. And even in this difficult time, we, I pray that we will not lose our focus and that we will spend this time building and growing into a deeper relationship with you, Jesus Christ. In your beautiful name. Amen. Have a lovely week.